You're listening to Mount Carmel Baptist Church's weekly Sunday worship service message at 11 a.m. Mount Carmel is located in Demarest, Georgia. To learn more, visit mtcarmeldemarest.com or facebook.com forward slash mtcarmeldemarest. Thanks for listening.
you have a choice to make. And here's what it's useful to do. You can look at that situation as something that's only harmful. This can only harm me. Or you can look at that same circumstance, that same trouble, and say, this is a challenge. This is a trial of faith. This actually might work out better for me or for my good. Now, what affects your appraisal of a circumstance? What makes you say, this is nothing but harm, nothing but harm, inherently trouble, versus there might be some good that comes out of this. And it has to do with this, this coaching process. What resources you deem are available to you to help you get through that time? If you feel like your back is up against the wall, you'll view your circumstance as nothing but trouble. But if you realize that you've been better equipped than you probably are informed, especially according to the Bible, you realize that God's not going to waste any circumstance you find yourself in. You've got a lot more in your arsenal than you believe. And then that will affect your stress symptoms. You're still going to be under stress, but the difference is this. Could it possibly be a good stress? Or is it going to be distress? Same verb here. Don't worry. I do not even want to underline that in your text. The word worry. 
for Timothy to have Mary Mako for the church of Philippi? No. There, what he's trying to put out in Philippians chapter 4 is there is a point, listen to this, where our genuine love and concern can cross the line into sin. And that is not to happen in the believer's life. And what I want to unpack this morning is when do we cross the line? When does our genuine concern for something begin to dominate and control our lives? And it's unbiblical, unessential in God. Notice, I want to look at this just one more. Notice what Paul says that helps alleviate anxiety. It's another point that we can take here. What does he encourage the same thing to do in every circumstance? Do what? Pray. Pray. We put our worries aside through constant prayer. We are rolling them. In prayer, we're saying, God, I can't do this. And we're rolling those circumstances over onto God's big, broad shoulders. Right? Anxiety, and I can say this, I am not to be a little blurred, is ruminating with yourself. Go over that circumstance a billion different ways and times. Prayer, though, is quite different. It's a request being held from God. Rumination is a conversation you have with yourself. Prayer is a direct line of communication with the God of the universe. And what the Bible is telling us over and over again is that when we go to the Lord in prayer with our troubling circumstances, we will get help. We will. I like what John Piper said. This is so important. Christians, if you'll, if you'll do what John Piper is saying here, it'll help most of you today. He says, occasionally, weep deeply over the lies you hope would do. Grieve the lost, then wash your face, trust God, and embrace the life you have. That's a lot of what happens in prayer. We are, I think this happens with anxiety. We are coming to terms with living in a fallen world. It's not going to be picturesque. There's going to be things that happen in life that we, we never expected. We thought it would never happen to me. And then it does. And sometimes the best thing that we can do in those instances is to go to God in prayer and just grieve over the loss. Just let him know. This is not what I thought it would be. I didn't think this thing could ever be a part of your plan. And what you'll find, he is a sovereign creator. He's big enough to handle it. And he'll comfort you. Where do we get sinful anxiety from? Number one, write this down. One is from a sinful perspective. A sinful perspective. This is a hard thing that you have to realize about our God, the God of the Bible, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, God the Father. What, what happens when you, as a person that's committed to the things of this world, Deal with the God who, when it comes to the things of this world, his solution is to burn it down and make it all over again. Right? If you put your treasure here, your God can smash the moon into you. You've seen Amish. He said, why would you want to store up treasure here where it all burns? There is a much larger end game that God is doing in our lives. Many times, the, the anxiety we experience is because as Christians, we're too short-sighted. We're looking at the next couple of weeks, months, years, even like all the way to retirement. And God, as we'll talk about, is looking trillions of years from now. <laughs> couple of things I want you to notice. Anxiety can be a symptom of guilt. This is Psalm 38, 18. So I confess my iniquity. I am anxious because of my sin. Sin will make you anxious. Back when we could not worry about anything, my point being this, we could repent of sin to not experience the anxiety that comes along with it. Alright? And sinful anxiety is biblical. Is it wrong to care for your children or care for your spouse? Listen to what 1 Corinthians 7.32 says. I want you to be without concern. Mary my own. The unmarried man is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. Notice what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 7. If you're a married man, you should have a genuine loving concern for your wife. 
if we can go through the same things that the world goes through and we just are a little different about it. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what he's up to. God does not guarantee freedom from human pain, sorrow, and persecution. He embraces those things. And in all of those things, he is working out his schemes for eternal goodness. Our embodies will one day soon vanish. And all that will remain is the city of God, that new Jerusalem. So the question is this, and I've got a, a little ironic that David prayed it this way. This is how I wrote it. In a trillion years from now in heaven, what will you be anxious about right now that matters? You see, God,
while you're in the midst of learning and being discipled with that suspension of understanding, it's terrible. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, that we are to be ready to explain why we believe. I think my old age, God, I, my battle is sin. God is not worthy of doing that. He is trustworthy. But God wants to know that during that season of that, I do believe God used that to help me to understand why I believe what I believe. Why do I come up here and preach Christ crucified and raised from the dead? Because I'm intellectually satisfied and well spiritually satisfied that 2,000 years ago on a Sunday morning, God raised his son out of the grave. I believe it. And sometimes God will permit that dark night of the soul. It will hover over your spirit and you'll get weary and stop. And then another angel will say, just one time. And you'll come out on the other end a stronger Christian, folks. I'm not telling anybody I go to church and seek out that. But if doubt comes, don't think it's a sin to hear that's the Lord. In fact, you might be stripping of him. Dr. Vianney says he encouraged this in the colleges. He said, take one of the questions about God, write them down on a piece of notebook paper, cuss them out, stone them out of them. Stand them up, pull out one, and then draw them in the answer. Just one at a time. Search the scriptures, talk to saints, read theology, survey church history. Did you find that satisfying answer? The one you know is me. Put your hand back in the bag, dig out of the And just keep on going. Some of you, that's probably the greatest spiritual discipline you could exercise for your anxiety right now. Is just to work through the questions you have about God in your faith. Dr. J.C. Morgan, another philosopher that had the opportunity to spend a couple classes with me while I was at Biola, he always reminded us, he said, God, I need you to know there is no such thing as philosophical certainty about this subject. Paul, I don't think you have time for that. He said, because how certain are you? Well, I'm not philosophically certain. There's only a few things. It's why we need to remind ourselves. Did you know that every day you're living on the basis of faith and you just don't realize it? There's so many things that we just trust that will happen. You cannot be fixed philosophically certain that the sun will rise tomorrow. You know that, right? What we're all living like is going to. So just because you might have questions about God, that doesn't mean faith has altogether ceased. Right? Take some comfort saying, you know what? I'm not as sure about this as I once was. And I'm going to pursue until I get more confidence. I just want you to know that if you're going through a season of doubt, you've not lost your faith altogether. Stop believing that. Number four. Number four. Criticism. Criticism. Criticism over any period can cause exasperation, insomnia, cynicism, burnout, and even despair. As a pastor, and I, I'm sure this is true for you, usually the feedback that you get as a pastor is either like over and over the top of us, like, man, you walked on water today, right? Which is not true. Or they're unforgiving criticisms, and you just thought that God told that person to tell that to you. Loving folks, man cannot live by criticism alone. You cannot live by criticism alone. Exaggerated praise and criticism are just puffs of air. I mean, that's what Spurgeon says. Puffs of air. We should not overgeneralize criticism or praise and remember that rarely does one person actually speak for many people. I tell people this, I've had at least, and I hope I'm not winning converts to this truth, I've had at least five people that said, God, you can't preach at all. And yet I know of at least 500 people that would disagree with them. But all it takes is five critics. Right? And we'll eat you alive. So I encourage you, there's a place for, for actual constructive feedback in your life. And one of the things that I would encourage you to do, if you wouldn't seek out that person's opinion about a subject, regardless of whether it has anything to do with you or not, don't take their opinion about you. Don't. Constructive criticism is expressed in accordance with biblical principles. If the dissenting viewpoint is expressed through due process, it raises serious concerns aimed at problems rather than people, and it's against this 
forgive us as we forgive others. The basis of our forgiveness in God is how we forgive others. You say, I'm going to work around that. That's what the text says. Pick it up with Jesus. Christians forgive. Why? We are forgiven people. There's no debt or payment someone calls us that's greater than knowing the Son of God for a fall. Remember what St. Augustine said. Resentment, I think you could say bitterness, is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Yeah. It's just like, it's just going to kill you. And if you think you're innocent, wait for me to come get you. You'll live in the anxiety. Like, I hope your kids don't go to bed. They don't care. They don't care. The best thing for you to do that could be um, a leisure anxiety today is to just forgive.
Thanks for listening to Mount Carmel Baptist Church's weekly Sunday worship service message. Mount Carmel is located in Demarest, Georgia. Please join us this Sunday at 11 a.m. To plan your visit, go to mtcarmeldemarest.com.